0: So well, today we're going to be in James chapter 2. If you have a Bible, let's go ahead and turn there. As In, in one sense, it's a simple study. It might even be a short study, if you're lucky. No, <laughs> it's a very simple study, but it is something that we need to be reminded of. Look what James says in chapter 2 and verse 1. He says, My brethren... Do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place and say to the poor man, will you stand there or sit here at my footstool? Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? You know, James here, he he gives a command. He says, don't be partial. You're Christians. Be like Christ. You know, he's the Lord. He's the Lord of glory. And so don't show partiality. Don't show favoritism in your judgments. That's what he's saying. And then he goes on and he gives an example that what might happen in church, okay? So let's just say you're here one day and you're, you know, you parked and you you roll in and next to you there's this guy, he rolls up with a Bentley, he drives a Bentley, he comes out and so you're like, whoa, I wonder where that guy's going. Oh, he's probably going upstairs, you know, whatever. And then, you know, you come into church service, maybe I'm the pastor and I see him come in and he's dressed in these dazzling clothes and he's super, super rich you just know it. You just know it, right? And so you, know, you say to him, hey, what's your name? Nice to meet you. Come on up here. We have a really nice plush seat for you in the front. And you just start dialoguing and paying attention. Literally in the Greek language, it's your focus is on him. Your focus is on this individual, right? And so th- that's what you do. You know, you're just, you know, being welcoming. But but in your heart, God knows. And then in comes a man, and he is just dr- dressed in filthy clothes. The word "filthy" is the word "vile." I mean, smelly. I mean, just uh, horrible. Probably in reference to someone that we might see today as a homeless guy, right? He just hasn't taken a shower, and who knows how long. And then when you see him, the the Bible says that you tell him, "Well, you know what? Hey, you, you know what? You should probably stand over there." Or literally, in the Greek language, he says, "Sit underneath my footstool." And so, you know, James is saying. If you're a Christian and you're like like that, you're not like Christ. And he's basically saying, you got to stop it. You got to stop showing partiality. You know for us, I think the immediate context is going to be between the rich and the poor, and we will talk about that because there are many churches that cater to the rich, that reach out to those who are high tithers. You know, they might not, you know, pay attention to those that are poor. You know, there's a lot of churches that are all into money. There are a lot of churches that are like that, you know. we, You know, Bill Gates came in here, Kanye West, Justin Bieber, whatever it might be, you know. And you're you're just like, man, imagine if that guy started attending this church, what we could do. What we could do with that man here in this church. We could buy the whole shopping center. We could get this great... You know thing going for God and we can hire professional musicians or whatever we can do you know you name it and 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 so there's a lot of churches that that's what their focus is. they'll ask for money, they'll plead, they'll beg, they'll make numerous opportunities during midweek service I mean you name it you know any a lot of times these guys are are are, are able to raise the funds and and in all honesty, I think if we really wanted to, we could. No, but I was taught different. I came under the teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, and he said, "You don't do that. You don't take money, you don't take the offering, you receive the offering. you provide an opportunity for people to give. Um, and you know, just know this that where God guides, God provides. Listen, Warren Worsby said something very important because I think that sometimes we have a misconception. Sometimes we think that a big church is a successful church, but listen, in God's eyes, he said, there's no such thing as a small church. We don't know the impact of this ministry and that ministry. Now, don't get me wrong. We want to reach as many people as we can, right? But at the same time, we've got to make sure that we don't judge with human eyes. So it all comes back to James saying, if a rich guy comes in and a poor guy comes in, you make sure you don't show any partiality. Another thing that we learned, and I think we learned it from Jesus and Pastor Chuck, he passed it on, is that we gotta love everybody, every single person equally. And so James here in verse one, he's talking to the family, my my brothers. Listen, we're not just saints, we're siblings, we're family. He says, don't hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ and he calls him the Lord of glory. I mean, you're connected with the Lord of glory, something he's also referred to in uh, uh, the, the book of 1 Corinthians as well. The Lord of glory, let me get that reference, chapter 2 and verse 8. James says, Listen, Jesus isn't like that. We shouldn't be like that either. Where we look at position or rank or popularity, you know, where we look at things, you know, that we can benefit from. He says, no, you have to understand that every person's created in the image of God has intrinsic value because they are made in his image. And then he gives a picture of what it might look like when we are that way. You know, and I was thinking about this, you know, and I I hope I'm not weird, um, you know, in saying this, but what if Justin Bieber came into this church, you know, I mean, what if he, he walked in and I'm thinking, man, imagine if he started tithing, you know, something that might roll through my mind or or even maybe our worship leader. You just never know. I don't know how, what, what goes on. But I, but I do know that he did walk into a church recently. And I think that's exactly what that pastor did. If you guys remember, some of you guys heard it. And I'm not judging him. I'm not judging the pastor. I don't know really how it all went down. But all I know is that, you know, the word on the street is that Justin Bieber was shown like this total favoritism. Total favoritism. And, uh, and you wonder why. I mean, again, don't get me wrong. We love the poor. We love the rich. We love everyone. But this individual ended up hanging out. They're becoming best friends. He discipled him. And then you fast forward a few years and this pastor fell. Now, again, I'm not gossiping. I'm not sharing things, you know, for the wrong reason. But what I'm saying is that it makes you wonder, was he really in it for the right reason? That's what James is talking about. You know, after first service, I was talking to a brother who came for the first time, and he said, you know what? The Lord is calling me out of a church like that because that's exactly what they were doing. It was all about money. So so again the, the big, there is a big principle here as far as just loving everybody equally showing you know no favoritism or partiality but there's also uh, an issue in the church and James knows it that sometimes we might favor those who have money and and so he says listen you're not supposed to do that you know the bible says clearly in Leviticus 19:15 you shall do no injustice in judgment you shall not be partial to the poor nor honor the person of the mighty in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor and so it's i like that passage because he's saying not just to the poor i mean you don't you don't show favoritism to the poor or to the rich because some people might lean one way or the other no we're fair we love everyone equally if We're partial, then he calls himself an unjust judge. He says that person is an unjust judge, an unreasonable leader, definitely not fitting to those whose Lord is Jesus, the Lord of glory. You guys know this, that other than me, Jesus has no favorites? You guys know that, right? (laughs) He doesn't. You know, he loves the president just as much as he loves the pauper. He loves the Arab just as much as he loves the Jew. Now, don't get me wrong. We love the Jews. They're God's chosen people. In many ways, they're assigned to the whole civilization, so don't misunderstand me. But, you know, sometimes Christians buy into the mentality that God doesn't love gay people, that God doesn't love Muslims. I mean, he loves them, and he wants to save them, right? Do you love them? Do you want, do you have that heart? I remember when Joey and I went to Israel, and, you know, uh, we actually did a stop, well, we, not just Julie and I, there was a lot of us that went to Israel, but the bus stopped in a place that wasn't on the schedule and we went into a store we weren't kind of supposed to go into, and we went into this store, and uh, we didn't have the proper currency to pay for our items, and there was an Arab girl behind us, and she ended up paying for us, right? And then afterwards, we were talking for a while, and we found out, man, she's just really, really nice, a really nice lady. I remember Joey took a million pictures with her, and so it was kind of an interesting thing, but you know, sometimes I think we can get just, man, just twisted in our mentality, and we got to understand that God loves everyone. You know, it's his love that changed us, and so James here, he's sharing things like that, that, you know, that's not how Christians are supposed to act. Rich, poor, red, and yellow, black, and white, they are Precious in his sight. We don't discriminate. We're not prejudiced, uh, race or face or place. You know, because sometimes we're even like that. Well, that person's good looking or they got it all together. God says, no, that's not how we roll. Not as Christians. We love everybody. Right? That's how Jesus was. Remember what they told Jesus in Luke chapter 20 and verse 21? They asked him, They said, Teacher, we know that you say and teach rightly. And you do not show personal favoritism, but teach the way of God in truth. I mean, Jesus had, you know, he didn't show favorites. I mean, it didn't matter if it was the Sadducees. They were pretty much the rich Jews of the day. It didn't matter if they're the Pharisees. They were the ones with the, the position there in the temple. No, absolutely not. I mean, he loved the harlot, the tax collector, You know, he loved the common man, the ruler of the synagogue. It didn't really matter who it was. He just loved everyone. He showed no personal favoritism. He was not afraid. He didn't bow down to anyone. And we need to have that that same heart. That's how God is, you guys. Just in case you didn't know, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 6 it says, God shows personal favoritism to no man. We read that also in Deuteronomy 10 17, in Romans chapter 2 verse 11. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34, uh, Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. And that was a big uh, statement in the day. Now, you might wonder, well, then why did God choose the Jews? You know, aren't they like um, something, you know, that God loves more than other people? I don't know if I would see it that way. I believe that God chose the Jews because he wanted to reach the world through the Jews. Through the Jews, we would have, you know, the scriptures. And through the Jews, we would have the Savior. What for? To reach the world. To reach the world. But eventually, what ended up happening is they said, well, we're the elite and we're the special. And eventually, it got so bad to where some Jews actually believed that non-Jews or Gentiles were only made to fuel the fires of hell. And you guys know the story, huh? How sometimes, and it, it happened in all different races, but sometimes, you know, we we see it often. In them. They wouldn't even eat with people of the of the different of who are non-Jews. They wouldn't even eat with them. And so one day, you know, the Lord starts, you know, showing them who He really is. And in Acts chapter ten. You guys remember the story of God you know, appearing to Cornelius and Peter and hooking him up together. Peter goes to this place where there's non-Jews that are present and he starts sharing about Jesus. And while he's sharing about Jesus, the Holy Spirit falls on the whole place. And all these non-Jews, these Gentiles, start speaking in tongues. Right there, they all got saved. And that's when Peter said, wow, it's true. God loves Everyone, and if God loves everyone, then you know what we should do. You know, it doesn't matter if they're rich or famous or whatever you might perceive to be good looking or a prominent person. I mean, there are some churches, this is crazy. They say that if you give a certain amount of money, we'll give you a certain seat. The Crystal Cathedral was like that. So, we need to be so careful in this, you guys. You know, God has uh, an equal amount of love for everyone, and so, you know, they come in, and rich, poor, it doesn't matter. God says, listen, you need to make sure that you don't show partiality. You know, I pray that when you come into Calvary Chapel on Monday, no matter who you are, that you feel welcomed, that you feel loved. I pray for us as Christians that when we see people come in, because I do think if you were to kind of really make it fit the context the context is speaking of visitors. And so you just welcome them. Rich, poor, it doesn't matter. You welcome them with love. You know, I was talking to Gail Mays. Uh, she's the, the widow of Pastor Steve Mays. And he was uh, really a cool pastor over at Calvary Chapel South Bay. And the one thing that I loved about their church that was so cool is when if you were go and you would visit their typical church service, They had people from all different races. It was beautiful to see, you know, all the different nationalities there, and I was just so blessed by that, because you guys know that's what heaven's going to be like, right? Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Some people were raised in, you know, this environment of, of prejudice, and it's kind of instilled within them. I thank God that I wasn't raised in that, but maybe you were raised in that, and you look down on a certain nationality, and God is going to call us today to get right with Him. Make sure we repent of any type of that kind of stuff, you know. And and, and it's because that's how Jesus is. You say you're a Christian, then we have to make sure that we act and behave like one as well. Look what He says in verse five. He says, "Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich?" in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? It's interesting where he says that if you show partiality, you make yourself basically bad judges. Now, I was wondering about that. Why, why is he saying judges? Well, it's because, in one sense, they're making these conclusions, these judgments. It could be in many different areas. For example, some people think that rich people or people who have money are actually better Christians or they have a better relationship with God. Believe it or not, some people think that. Well, you know, this person, they don't have a whole lot. Oh, they're really not that right or blessed. But that person has a whole lot, and so they're more blessed, and they're right. There's a health, wealth, and prosperity that kind of infiltrated into the New Testament times, into the Jewish belief. Uh, Another judgment that they might say is that a rich person can help the church more than a poor person. But that's not true. That's what James says right here. Don't you know that God chose a lot of the, the poor people to be saved. And guess what? They're rich in greater things. They're rich in faith. And I tell you what, if I had to choose between one or the other, that's the one I would choose. I mean, you know, Manny, what do you want more? The one who can pay for you or the one who can pray for you? And hey, if we get a big tither in here, you know, um, then who knows, maybe you might get a raise or something, I don't know, and you start thinking dumb things like that, and then you realize that what we're trying to do here is not something that can be done by any arm of the flesh. There is no amount of money that can truly, you know, do God's plan, God's plan. Or oh, I might be able to, you know, invest into the lights and a whole bunch of stuff. And we can, we can draw a crowd and we can put on an amazing production. But one day we're going to stand before God. And then we'll be able to find out whether or not what we did was not just wide, but deep. Was not just like successful on the eyes of man, but successful on the eyes of God. You know, I know over the years I have you know, people, and most of them were not rich people, but some, you know, were, and they prayed for me. As a pastor, as a leadership here, as a church here, that's the best thing, man, because sometimes you see it in certain individuals, and they'll talk to you, and you can talk to them, and you can sense it in your conversation, and your fellowship. They are really praying for me, and I need it. I need it for many reasons. And so James is here saying, oh, you know, it's not right, it's not theological, it's not biblical, it's not even logical. Why would you make a judgment saying that a rich person is better for a church than a poor person when the rich person may not be having that prayer life, that faith that, that you need as a church? Now again, like I said earlier, it doesn't mean that you don't love those who have finances versus, you know, Those who are who don't, you just it's just across the board. The tendency is to show favoritism to the rich, and he's saying, Listen, you you gotta make sure that you don't do that. He he says right here, you know, you've dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into courts. Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? This is probably just a little side note here. But I trip out on, like, why why are people in awe of um, these stars, these celebrities, when, you know, they're using the name of the Lord in vain? I mean, you go, and he's, imagine if you saw one of these movie stars in one of these movies, and, you know, you've watched movies, you've seen movies, you've seen the way they've dropped Jesus' name, Jesus Christ, in a, in a, in a, in a way that is it is derogatory, you know? I mean, over and over again, they're using the name of the Lord in vain, right? And, and it's like, wait a minute, time out. I know sometimes I wonder about some of these movies. Did they put that in the script? I mean, not just verbally, but in so many ways. Now, in, in the context here, because we can't overgeneralize. Not all rich people are like that. Some of them are like that. They'll say, hey, if you're poor, you know, we'll take advantage of you. We're going to seduce you into getting this loan. We're going to charge you a super high interest. And if you can't pay the loan, then we're going to get you with some collateral damage or whatever. There's different ways that they can manipulate the system. But back in that day, uh, the the... The Roman authorities gave a lot of power to the rich Jews. The Sadducees especially were rich. And so you know, they can go and they can oppress, especially in that day, the Christian Jew. And so they have this authority over the Jews. Um, but man, they really attacked the Christian Jews. And James is writing to individuals that were in the middle of that. He says, I don't get it. Why would you favor the rich over the poor? Look what they've done to so many of your congregants. The, the Romans gave the Jews so much authority that they actually gave them authority in different jurisdictions. So that's why Saul of Tarsus was able to go to Damascus and arrest Christian Jews there. And so James is saying it just it doesn't make any sense why we would have favorites or prejudice or you know, show that type of partiality to, to anyone, the context I think right here is especially to the rich. You know, what we find is that God is saying, listen, again, in, in verse 6. No, verse 5. No, verse 4, I'm just joking. Verse 5. <laughs> i got to wake you up. Okay, listen. Look what he says in verse 5. Listen, my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He promised to who? To those who love Him. That's interesting how He calls them beloved, and then He ends with that whole thing as far as, you know, being a Christian is not that complicated. It's just having faith in Jesus, you know. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Maybe you've never really given your life to God. Maybe you've gone to church a million times. I don't know where you guys are. But I do know this, that Jesus is coming soon, and we have to be ready. The signs are everywhere. There needs to be this urgency inside my heart. I, I, I just know, you know, that Jesus can come, or, or I can go. I can die at any moment. I'm already 27 years old, and things are <laughs> happening, you know. <laughs> no, I, I'm up there, you know, and I realize i got to be ready. If you were to die today, if you were to die today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? You know, how, how do you know? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Do you know that he died for your sins? All the things you've ever done wrong, past, present, future, were laid on him. He suffered the wrath of God for us. He paid the price. But then when he died, they put him in a grave. He rose again on the third day. And, and all you have to do is believe and receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. It's as simple as that because I have a feeling that there are some of you here today who are not saved and my heart just aches for you because you need to find that freedom. You need to find that forgiveness and you can do that, man, in just a simple way by placing your faith in the Lord. He loves you. He loves you. Even though we've, we've all messed up. I'm, I'm the chief of all sinners. I'll admit it any day. I know who I am apart from Christ. That old man, he's still there. That old manny, he's still there. He's bad. When I go and I pray and I'm just asking God for forgiveness, I, I always ask God to forgive me for the things that I've done wrong, for the things that I haven't done right. But I always ask him to forgive me for who I am apart from him. Because inside of me is this wicked, wretched, Ugly, hideous, warped sinner. That's who I am apart from Christ. And I know, I know what I deserve. I deserve hell and I deserve it forever. That's what I deserve. But I always ask God, you know, thank you for your grace. Lord, forgive me for what I've done. Forgive me what I haven't done and forgive me for who I am. That's who I am. But then I also know that there's also another man, the new Manny that has been risen, raised from the, from the dead. And when I put my faith in Jesus, I was addicted to drugs and alcohol. I was addicted to everything the world had to, to tell you. I, all my life, all my life, I was just looking for love until I found it that day, that moment. And it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And that's why the Bible says to the the intelligent man, to the Greek, it's foolish. And to the religious man, it's a stumbling block. It doesn't make any sense. You mean to tell me that I can be forgiven and set free and have my name written in the book of life and now I can go to heaven by just believing on the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes. Yes. And the moment you do, you just say, yes, Jesus. I know you love me and I will love you. And as you do that, Imagine that God at that moment, he saves you in the twinkling of an eye. And that's what, you know, James here, he's talking about those who who just love the Lord. You know, that's a Christian. And if you love the Lord, then of course you love others. Earlier he said the same thing in James 1.12, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. That's it. Do you love the Lord? Do you love him? Not just a feeling, but it's a a conviction, not just an emotion. You want to obey him. That's all you have to have. Look what he says next in verse 8. He says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law, as transgressors now if you try to really really keep it in its context there are some bible teachers that say they say it this way like if Kanye West were to come into this church because you guys know a little bit about Kanye West's story right um, it seems to me like God really touched him that he that he gave his life to Christ and I, I don't know for sure I don't know him but if he came in and I saw him come in and and I just, because I, I pray for him because I don't know where he's at. I don't know what happened to him. I know he got a divorce, but I know there was an experience with God. But if he came in, would I go towards him and, and, and just reach out to him and just say, hey, bro, you know, how you doing, man? What's going on? Can I pray for you? Can I pray for your family? If I were to do that, would I? if I did it, in love, not for money, but if I did it for love, then he says you do well. That's what he says there in verse 8 again. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But he says if it's only because you're showing partiality, then you commit sin and you are convicted by the law as transgressors. And so, you know, you look at it in context, and it's good to kind of see it that way. And then you also look at the bigger picture, and you realize that that's what we're called to do, right? You guys know this. I know you do. And if not, then it's my fault. But what's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. He's got to be your master passion. He's the one that keeps you going. He's the one that gets you out of bed. He's the reason... You do everything because you love him. But then the second is connected, and it's like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, right? And if you say you love God, then you have to love your neighbor, right? So that's the royal law. This is the majestic law. I like what James calls it. It's excellent. It's noble. It's prominent. It's worthy of veneration. And if you do that, then you do well. So a couple of quick things real quick before we... Um, loving people, what does it mean? How does it manifest itself? You know, we're all different, and I think we all express ourselves in different ways, and so I don't want to stifle your personality, but if I had to say what the definition of love is, I would say that it is to seek unconditionally, sacrificially, seek someone else's highest good, expecting nothing in return unconditionally, sacrificially seeking their highest good. What's their highest good? Heaven, right? So loving people doesn't mean that you won't tell them if they're going the wrong way because sometimes I think that's what people think love is. Well, love is just let me be who I want to be. Well, God will let you be who you want to be. God gives you the freedom to be whoever you want, but it doesn't mean that he won't reach out to you. It doesn't mean that he won't know correct you so there there, there is that that correcting love don't misunderstand but then there's also that that comforting love there is the uh i believe that love is not based on emotions but it's not separate from emotions you you know if you love people i believe when we know the bible says that love is a fruit and so in many ways as you're walking in the spirit you're in the word you know, you're just abiding in him. It's like this plant that's plugged into the vine. You're getting your supernatural source. And what comes out is you love people. You just love people. And, and James right here, he says, if you're doing that, then you're you're doing well. But if you're one of those who um, you're partial, you're prejudiced, if, if you're one of those who you discriminate and you have... You show favoritism in your judgments. It doesn't mean you can't have best friends. We can all have best friends. Don't get me wrong. You know, we have our, our, our circle of friends that God has provided with us, and not, nothing like that. But, but, but you know, when it comes to making judgments and favoritism, if you do that, then James says right here, then you have become a, a convict. Did you know that? <laughs> You're convicted, it says, by who? by the law as transgressors. You're not convicted by man, you're not convicted by James, you're not convicted by man, you're convicted by the word of God because one day when we stand before God, it's by the word, Jesus will judge us. And so he says, hey, let's, uh, let's get, let's get into, into a good place when, when it comes to the church and inviting people in and it may be you and your job, it might be you, you know, in some setting where God you know, brings someone into your path um, let's welcome them, you know, let's smile, let's give them a handshake, maybe even a hug, you know, you, you know, you just say, hey, um, we can sit, and, and then you just show them that you care. If you do, uh, James says, you've done well, and I pray that we as a church would would do well. I know for me as a pastor, you know, I'm I, I always try my best, man, and I know, you know, we're limited, and the amount of time, I thank God, that I have a lot of good guys that surround me that, man, together, we try to show the love of God to all the different people in the congregation. But if you're here and you haven't experienced that, um, you know, I ask for forgiveness, and I just want you to know that we're always up here after service. You know, we are make ourselves available, willing to talk, willing to pray with you, willing to encourage you in your relationship with God. Amen? So watch out for that, uh, that type of uh, favoritism. It it can be something that is financial favoritism. James forbids it. What he wants instead of that type of favoritism is the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. And so, Lord, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your word, Lord. And this is very practical because it, it, it comes into play every single time I come across a person. Lord, I know some people say they're not people people, but we got to be. Help us in our weaknesses, Lord. I pray that you would fill this church with an agape love. I pray that as we go out into the world that we take it with us. And Lord, I, I, I know you're going to provide for us as a church. You have always been our provider. I pray that we would love, Lord, all different races. I pray that we would love all the different you know, financial demographics, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't even matter. We just love people. Help us to have that heart. And Lord, I do pray if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you, who's not a Christian, or maybe they drifted away, Lord, that today they would hear not Manny calling them, but it's so important that they would hear God calling them. And that today, Lord, they would make a decision to follow you. It can be something that can just happen so simple right there in their seat. They can say, yes, Jesus, I believe you died and rose again. I give you my heart. I turn from my sin, and I trust in you as my Lord and Savior. So bless your beautiful people, I pray. We love you and thank you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's all stand together. I pray you would have an awesome week, man, that um, as we come together, you guys, and then we go out into the highways and byways and valleys and alleys, you know, we're going to have fun. We're going to be blessed. But it's also going to be a war, right? But man, as we keep our eyes on the Lord, it's it's just it's a great adventure. So I pray that you would know that God has great things for you. He has great plans for you. Just make sure that it's He's not just like a Sunday God. Every single day, every long, every day. And I believe that God is going to do a great work in this church and in